You're listening to The Voice, episode 34. This episode, hosted by Graham McCatchick. This episode features an exclusive contest opportunity. You could win a signed copy of Brian Sola's book, Engage, the complete guide for brands and businesses to build, cultivate, and measure success in the new web. Just send an email to thevoice at ottawa.iabc.com with the correct answer to this question. What core insight from Brian Solis does Graham McCatchick reference in this episode of The Voice? The contest closes August 1st, and the winner will be chosen at random from the correct entries and notified by email. Hi everyone, I'm your host Graham McCatchick, and I welcome you to another excellent edition of The Voice. But just before we dive into this one, I want to let everyone know The Voice is going national. We're going to be broadcasting across the country through various IABC chapters. Uh, Halifax, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Vancouver are all going to be integrating our podcast into their websites and putting the word out to their members and others. So we'll be having a growing audience, and uh, I just want to thank the, uh, the Voice team for uh, making it all happen. So uh, today we're doing a special edition of The Voice featuring a discussion about the recently released report breaking down the silos, the future face of communications. And this is a report uh, that encapsulates key themes that flowed out of a day-long ideation session at University of Ottawa, where industry leaders came together to discuss and define what the future holds for the communications industry. And today I'm joined by two of the key players there from today, plus another special guest. So this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a hot one. Uh, first, we've got Mike College, President of Public Affairs uh, Canada at Ipsos Reid. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Excellent. And next, we've got Alan Freeman, uh, formerly a reporter at the Globe and Mail and also a public servant in residence at the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs at University of Ottawa. How's it going? Fine. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we all like big titles, right? And then finally, I'm here with uh, René Filatro. Uh, Thank you, thank you. Is that right? Absolutely, is that, that right? is. Right. I'm impressed, I'm impressed. <laughs> okay, so Renee Filatro, and uh, she was formerly Senior Communications uh, Advisor uh, slash Officer for Task Force Kandahar from 2009 to 2010, and now Correct. she's here with Media Style. Yeah. So um, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. If you want the full report, I just wanted everyone to know, you can just go to ottawa.iabc.com, and we'll post a direct link to the report. And if you have specific questions for our guests, please weigh in at the same web address on the page dedicated to this specific edition of The Voice. And with that, let's just get started. First things first, um, Mike, I wanted to start with you, and I'm going to ask the same question of everybody. Sure. But right now, what do you believe is the one thing our listeners need to know about this reporting to take on the job, to help them do a better job? Um, I, I think the uh, if there's one thing that came out of the report is that the, the pace of change is, is is ongoing, and uh, what you you know when we discussed this, Alan and I at the, the day of, the things that um, the things that were the norm ten years ago are not the norm today, and won't be the norm in five years. And uh, if you're not leading and innovating and leading some of that change, you're probably going to be left behind. Okay. All right, Alan. What are your thoughts? What's the one thing you would tell a communication professional? Well, I think I would say that y you've got to be watching trends. Um, and you can't figure you can't figure that what's going on right now will be the situation in five years. Um, I, you know, I can tell you that you know I'm a guy who started uh, when there were still typewriters uh, in newspaper offices, and the change has been remarkable. You know, usually for the most of it for the best. And I'm not saying everything is for the best, but the, one of the things that's been 
I, I think has been clear is that the change has not been really predictable, right? Nobody would have thought, you know, five, seven years ago that somehow the web and mobile telephones would somehow merge into iPhones. I don't think that that was, you know, and um, you can see the, the Blackberry people said uh, at the time, I don't think anybody's going to want to look at the, the, the internet on their telephone. Well, look at where we are now. And likewise, in five years, we're not going to be, we're going to be in a place where we really can't predict we're going to be. So you have to be, I think, very nimble. Okay. That's what's important yeah. for communicators. Okay, and because it's an unpredictable nature of uh, the evol ever-evolving environment of yeah. communications. Renee, what do you have to say? Yeah, I think Alan uh, hit the key word there, which is nimble. I mean, there's so many different types of ways to communicate out there right now, digitally as well as in the traditional conventional formats. Um, and, and for your membership specifically, they have to figure out a way to cut through the noise. And the best way to do that is the, the path of least resistance. And that means being accessible as much as possible to, a, to any kind of platform you can get your hands on. Because it's, you know, the, you know trust in, in the future and, and trust in some of these platforms is, is a hard thing to do sometimes because, uh, they, you know, they emerge seemingly out of nowhere. What is Twitter? You know, what is Facebook? Which is what people were saying, you know, two years ago. Look at Pinterest. You know, and look at yeah. Pinterest. Where did that come from? And, and, and if you think about the, the market share of Pinterest for, you know, that's a very gender specific um, uh, platform. You're talking 90% of that platform is viewed by women. The opportunity for business to exploit that to some degree is, is huge, but you really do have to trust in these platforms. Okay, so I'm just going to take a, a lot of the key themes from the port and bump them up earlier in the podcast in one sort of sentence, and then we're going to, I'd love everyone to, to weigh in on this. What I got from this report, which was incredible, um, was we need to be nimble, like we just said. We need to be fast in how we communicate. We need to be authentic, but we got to be unscripted. We need to target to specific audiences, and we have to arm ourselves with context and not just the content. So what counsel can you provide to our listeners right now so they can be better at what they do on the job tomorrow? Alan, what do you have to say? Well, I, I think one of the things that, um, and this is particularly a challenge for big organizations like government, is how do you make, you know, the, the problem with government is that everybody gets into a silo, gets into a little cubbyhole. So, you know, you're the web team. Now they're trying to get social media teams. Uh, and then somewhere off you've still got a speech writing team. I think it's, it's essential uh, to try to get people to, to multitask okay. more. Uh, that's very difficult in government, but I think, uh, and in big, big organizations other than government, but I think that's, uh, that's essential. I can hear a bunch yeah. of yeah buts going yeah. on throughout the, yeah. the, for all the potates out there listening. Mike, what do you um, I think you need to use your leverage. In any given issue, there's a, there's a core group of supporters out there. Um, and they're, you know, they're online and they're engaged and they're talking. And if you can work with them to get them to carry your message and be advocates and be you know, uh, vocal and active on your behalf, uh, you've extended your reach uh, you know, umpteen fold times. And as well, you've extended your credibility because it's coming from a, a peer as opposed to from you know, if it's a minister or the CEO of a company, mm. it's coming. It's at that level. So mm. I think you've you built build trust in, and you can get a better reach at the same time. Okay. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? I think I'm going to speak off of what Alan said again, which is is the question of multitasking. You have to multitask 
And you see this all the time, you know, that old expression, you can't point to the moon and call yourself the moon. You can't just say, we're going to have a social media section in government and then say, go ahead, go do it. But you have to apply the social media lens across silos, which is, which is I think, what Alan was getting at. Um, and then you go back to the fact that that sometimes takes a great deal of courage and leadership. Um, in, in the United States right now, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, has insisted that all ambassadors use Twitter and are social media educated. Uh, and, and educated in a way not to be risk averse and prevent from using it, but to actually use it in, in a way that's helpful and be accountable. And that's a question for Canada. Can we have the, the type of accountability mm -hmm. that, that what we're seeing there with these social media platforms? But it's a balance. There's a lot of risk involved as well. Okay. I'm gonna this is an interesting point. In a recent uh, story in Communications World magazine from IABC, here's a quote. you got to make sure that when you're at the table, you're contributing like others at the table as well. That means being an expert not only on communications, but also on the business and the industry. So a kind of tapping into your, your thought of is breaking down the silos. You can't just be the comms person anymore. You really have to have a more robust approach mm -hmm. and understand the business itself. And to do that, as well as all this other stuff. <laughs> and you can't just be the CEO anymore and not have an interest in comms. I totally agree with this whole issue of, of trying to be able to, uh, to multitask and, and, and be able to seize um, opportunities, I guess, to, um, uh, to communicate. Now that's, again, it's extremely challenging for organizations which want to have control, mm. right? And, and it goes for government, it goes for other types of organizations. How do we get, you know, how do you, how do you respond spontaneously to, uh, to an issue that's coming up. You don't have 24 hours to turn around, particularly say if a, an issue comes up on, I don't know, a, a consumer product issue. You know, if you're, product, if you're Procter & Gamble or if you're Via Rail and something comes up and there's a, a, a Twitter avalanche, yeah. how mm -hmm. do you respond? You've got to be ready. And that's, that's a challenge for big organizations. And that's, a, that's everything, too. When it comes to, I mean, this might sound out of, outside the, uh, the, the scope of this conversation, but it comes back, comes back to something important. Uh, you know, in Afghanistan, I spent 14 months trying to break through the noise and communicate while the Taliban were executing a campaign of fear. And they were executing sort of a campaign of fear on their own population. Don't support the international forces or we will kill you. Um, or if there was a civilian casualty, for example, they would send in a suicide bomb or many civilians would die. They would, and they've exploited social media better than anybody. And that's, a, people are fascinated by this. They have websites, they use text messaging, and, and they, you know, they took the day on, on the information battleground. And I, I remember speaking to a, a journalist in Kabul as to why are the Taliban so good at communicating? And he said two things. Number one, um, your spokespeople have spokespeople. And to that, he was speaking to the enormous amount of bureaucracy that surrounds communication, making it impossible to be nimble. They didn't have to worry about that. And secondly, he said, you know, there's a, a journalistic, uh, you know, um, uh, need to, to get to the truth, but sometimes you don't always have the time to, to fact check in, in a war zone. So by the time the Taliban would say these deaths were caused by international forces, not us, by the time we fact checked and circled back, they'd already taken the day. Mm. The next issue was out, the next 20, the next 20 minutes were, were critical and we lost the window. Right. And that speaks to the, the need to be nimble and fast. And it shows the challenge between mm. being nimble and fast, but also having to commit to the truth and never getting away from that, and that's a really challenging balance right once now. Once bad information is out there, yeah. right, 
you, you're done. I you're mean, done. It, it's, you're you know, done. You, you've got the correction out yep. there. People, doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know. You've got to be first out of yeah. the gate, first of the gate, first yeah. of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. So fast. Okay, so from going back, we said nimble, we've got to be fast. I'm going to try and knock off all the, all the main yeah. points. Mm -hmm. But I just want to expand on your point. From Taliban to whirlpool dishwasher and dryer. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter what the what the what doesn't matter what the field of operations is. You have to be fast. That's it. This past week, my wife went out and uh, had summarized to me uh, about a, what five months worth of communication with whirlpool. We had a moved in new house, got a new dishwasher and dryer. It wasn't working over and over and over and wouldn't work. Finally, I said, you know what? I've had enough of this. Enough of the phone. I'm going on their Facebook page. And I posted a comment nicely that said, we've been experiencing some problems, please call us back, yada, yada. Next day, got a note. And they said, oh, great, well, well I hope we can help. Sorry, I've been experiencing problems. <laughs> well, um, unfortunately, they weren't fast enough. Uh, the, the social media response was quick, but they didn't actually follow up, and nothing ever got done, nothing ever got mm -hmm. resolved. We went to the person that sold us the, the Lowe's, that sold us the to begin with, and they exchanged it like that. So the lost customer, lost, that's just a micro example, but I mean, I'm sure this kind of thing is going on out there in this day and age. You gotta be fast, you gotta be mm -hmm. so so quick to respond and have the right messaging and be authentic. So let's yeah. just move off of that for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna table this with uh, the two gentlemen who were there on the day, okay? Because mm -hmm. I don't know if this, this next one will, will um, resonate with you, Renee. Um, maybe in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> because one of, the key, one of the notes that came out of it was, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> and I was going to ask if, if one, of the, uh, one of the gentlemen could contextualize that one. Mike. Um, I can't remember exactly how the, it came up, but it, we were discussing Facebook and, and the issue of people posting pictures of other people. Mm -hmm. And someone said, don't tag me. For, it's the Facebook equivalent of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> so it, it has translated into the social media sphere and obviously, you know, uh, that notion of let's not identify me in this situation. Uh, uh, so that's the context. That's that. right. So yeah. there's this like, like notion now of like in terms of social media and being fast and being responsive, this universal adoption of social media yeah. and, and how mobile has really changed the way we mm. interact. And, and, and it is an issue, I think, about, what, for example, on Twitter, what your identity is, right? Mm. Yeah. You've got one, I think what, what one of the problems, and this is a problem in government, is when, when an employee of government has a Twitter account. Who is he speaking as? Is he speaking as, you know, uh, John Doe, uh, you know, uh, you know, a hockey dad and uh, community uh, member, or is he speaking as an employee of the Department of Veterans Affairs? Or, and I, I think that those type of identities on Twitter, in particular, is usually people have one identity, and so yeah. they and they're creating a personal brand. For employers, that's sometimes a problem because you know when people go and you know express personal views and things like that. So I think that that's that's an issue uh, for communicators um, in government and in other big organizations. Now we've talked. To, okay, so now we've tabled a problem that you got to be fast. What is the solution? What are things, practically speaking, tactically? that I can do tomorrow on the job, Renee, do you have any advice well, for everyone? I think it's the path of least resistance. It's, uh, well, first, number one, I think we can't forget that the principles of 
conventional journalism to some degree still apply. You still have to be accurate, you still have to be um, accessible, you still have to have an ability to develop relationships with people and have trust. Um, all of those same principles of communications I think still apply in the social media context. The pressure is just ex exorbitantly high to do it quicker. Um, and, and again, I think it's, it's a, in your best interest to, to provide the path of least resistance and be constantly pinging those those influencers and and journalists, whether they're blog journalists or whether they're they're uh, you know conventional journalists, make sure you're accessible. Make sure your message is out to them. That you're emailing them. That you're connecting with them, um, just as you you would have before. Make their e their job as easy as humanly possible because they have every they they have to cut through the noise more than anybody. And as we know, uh, journalists uh, are being expected to do more with much less resources now. Yes. And Mike or Alan, do you have anything that you would say like on the job? You're you know you're in your chair. What are you saying to your CEO essentially to help you know manage expectations perhaps on some around some of this stuff? I think you need to del delegate down okay. the responsibility for communications and give yeah. some give some response give some authority and responsibility to the people who are because the CEO is not monitoring Twitter day in and day out. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the the flip side is if he or she is they're probably being captured by a set of issues that aren't relevant to their entire population because there's a different group on Twitter and a different group on Facebook. So some of us take it with a grain of salt and, and understand mm -hmm. where the message is coming from. But And that's one of the things too I think that, that is that you some, I think you have to aim your message at different levels, different layers. You know, it's no longer the case, say, if you're, say, a national association and you, you just sort of aim at, well, CBC, the Globe and Mail, or where La Presse, I've sent out my message, that's it. Uh-uh. I mean, journalists are still there from the conventional media, but there are bloggers. There are all sorts of, um, you know, Facebook groups uh, on issues, and they may have a different level of interest. So you're, you, 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 you may have to um, tailor your message to who you're dealing with. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's a big complication of communicating and getting through the noise these days. Yeah, and I think just to reinforce that message on targeting, again, it's a bit of a different example, but it really drives home the issue of targeting. Taliban would target messages that were meant for the international audience on their website in print uh, because they knew, you know, 85% of their population doesn't read, so they could say what they needed to say, whether it was true or not, to the international community. But they would target, you know, threats of retribution for supporting us via radio via word of mouth um, and, and that you know it shows you just the expertise that can be applied to targeting and somewhat of a, a you know, a, an, well, you know an international conflict but it still applies targeting the person who can target mm -hmm. takes the day yeah and your audience is segmented by their interests and they're segmented by the media channels so it is actually doable as they show yeah there. Okay, this, so. is, this is really interesting there stuff and we've got because you know, I had a couple couple other questions lined up here, but you've essentially melded them both into one. So, important not just segmenting or uh, you know, tune audiences, but I guess it's this notion of personalizing. Mm -hmm. How do you personalize a message to, to resonate with somebody's sort of more deeply held values? Mm -hmm. And then, if you're being more sophisticated about it, then you know that you got to use the proper channel to make that message get to who you want. So, I think it's kind of coupled. You know, they kind of both go hand in hand. So it's not just about who's my audience, it's about what am I, am I saying to them in a personalized fashion that's going to mm -hmm. resonate with them. And then now, now that I know that, what's the channel I'm picking? So does anyone want to weigh in on that one? 
everyone sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, well, I've, I've heard you talk, and this is about public opinion research. I've heard you talk about certain segments of the population that are really difficult to get at. For example, if you Which you've talked. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, for example, young young men, for yeah. example, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. That yeah. they they just the channels just aren't. Yeah, this they're, was they're one you were the, talking. One of the hardest groups to to reach from a research sense. Mm -hmm. They're 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 not answering the telephone nearly as much. They 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 are online, but they're gaming. They aren't going to to websites and doing what uh, you know. And I'm young men, eighteen to thirty year old men. Uh, so you you know so you have, there are challenges reaching some of those those groups and. Um, you need to, you know, uh, you, I don't want to say it as a plug for research, but you need to do your research in some way, shape, or form and understand your audiences, where they where they live virtually, and, mm -hmm. and what they're thinking and what they're talking about. Not so that you can suck up to them, but so you can be authentic and reach them with your messages. Yeah. I don't think you can change. Somebody I needs to, yeah. I, I believe, no, I, I don't think you're plugging, quote unquote, plugging yeah, research. No, no, I, I, I am a huge advocate of that. That's one of my lead points is, you know, rethink, understand the insights you're going to glean first. And don't jump in there yeah. without understanding. Um, you're going to miss the mark. This yeah. is, and I think a lot of because this is the challenge now. You got to be fast, but you got to know your audience. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't know one, you don't know the other. Yeah. And so you, it's it's almost like you have to really be. It's like an ongoing. Yeah. Ever. And, you, and you need to know your objectives. Yeah. There's far too many clients who, are, who have said, you know, well, here's what's happening out there and how do yeah. I respond? Yeah. Well, you respond, you know, you've got to push the, the discussion yeah. to where you'd like it to be for your purposes. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't just constantly respond and, and not think about what it does to your ultimate goal. Where yeah. Go. One of the most frustrating things I hear, and I suspect, you know, uh, a lot of journalists probably here, whether they're social journalists or not, is, is when you hear somebody in government say, well, there's no point in communicating because we're not going to take, take the debate. It's, we're not going to get that support that we need. And, and what's more is, I, you know, I'm a public servant, I don't need it. But the reality is if you hold public office or are you a public servant, you have an obligation to communicate publicly. And it's surprising to me that that's, that's, less, that's understood now because people are so convinced they're not going to win the debate. And, and the reality is there's winning the debate, but then there's also being accountable to decisions that are made. Whether you're the CEO of a company or yeah. whether you're a public office holder, you do need to be accountable at the end of the day. So yeah. it's... So, got to be nimble. Got to be fast. Got to be authentic but unscripted. Yeah. And now we're going to get into the role of influencers. Okay. Yeah. Um, about a year ago, I had a podcast with Brian Solis uh, of Altimeter Group, but also obviously well-known in the social media spheres. And Brian, you know, he, he really hammered home the point of how important influencers are in this day and age. Now, here's, a, here's just a thought to ponder, and hopefully we can bring it around to a, con a practical uh, context. Do you, need, do you think it's better to go, say you want to get your message out, do you think it's better to pick an influencer who will resonate with your audience first and have them disseminate it through whatever channels you think are best? Or do you think it's better to go direct to audience and let the network of networks do its thing, essentially. This notion of amplification, I think, is what was in the report. Does anyone want to comment? Well, the, my, my um, instinctive reaction is what you're seeing happen now is people trying to go direct, and if they don't break through the noise, they start trying to recruit influencers. Um, in, in my view, uh, like I said, I think you need to exploit any platform you yeah, have to do both. both. You do both, right? You have to do both. Yeah, because you can't, I, I, you know, I, I don't think you can be guaranteed that the <laughs> influencer that you choose yeah. will have influence on this particular subject, this particular week, or this particular month, 
right? Uh, so I think that if you you know if you, you put all your eggs in one basket, uh, you you may come up short. Okay, great. If you we're going to start with Renee on this one. If you were going to post a job for a senior level communications professional in this day and age, what what skills would you mark as essential in the job description? Essential. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is a little unfair. This is a, this is a tough one. I know. I it's like just, it's like no, but that's an um, that's a great question. I mean, you have to obviously have excellent communication skills, written, verbally, and otherwise. Excellent personality skills. Excellent, you know, be incredibly professional. Understand the principles of communication, i.e., tell the truth. When you can't tell the truth, say I can't. I can't answer that question. You know the same sort of things that that would have applied before on the principles of communication, but also, uh, you know, in, in my view, you can immediately tell when you're dealing with somebody who is a communicator at heart. This is somebody who doesn't have to be convinced in the merits of communication. And, and uh, I think that's critical because we do see a trend of people not seeing a need to communicate decisions whether they're in the private or the public sector. So yeah, I, I think, uh, I think okay. all of those above, yeah. Alan, do you have any thoughts? Um, I guess somebody who knows how to listen, mm -hmm. um, to learn, um, and, and, and probably getting back to this thing to, to delegate. I mean, for example, if you're, if you're um, uh, hiring somebody in a senior level position, likely may not be um, somebody who's 50, but it may be somebody who's 40, but he's gonna, he, he or she may not be at the cutting edge of what's going on technologically. So he's gotta be able to, or she has gotta be able to um, listen learn from often people who are more uh, with it in, t in terms of the uh, uh, technology and be able to trust and delegate uh, as well. So I think that, that that's, that's important. Uh, and you, yeah. yeah, you probably have to triage better than an emergency room doctor at this point because of so much noise, you know? I mean, you've got to figure out yeah, right. what's important and what's not and, and focus on responding to what's important. With limited resources. With limited resources. Mike, um, all of that. And the ability to tell a story, yeah, okay, because great, great. the ability to find in whether it's a disparate collection of information from Afghanistan or a public opinion research data set, a narrative arc, because mm -hmm. that's what sticks with people. Anybody can dump data, anybody mm -hmm. can dump facts, anybody can dump arguments into the the pool that is communications. But that ability to say, here's where it starts, here's where it ends, and here's why it's important to you, whether it's public. CEOs, clients, yeah. uh, it tends to cut through that the issue of going yeah. through. Uh, it's it's so it. true. It's so true. And I I, ask, I encourage everyone that's listening to uh, on that point go back and listen to our podcast that we did on um, presentation excellence. And there was a clip of Steve Jobs in that uh, just before he passed away. And uh, that was essentially the at the core of our podcast what uh, it was all about in, in the art of doing that. Um, I also want to ask now because there's just so much going on and things are moving so fast and you want to, you know, yes, we want to be authentic, we want people to understand us, um, we're providing context, not just content, I think we've touched on that yeah. to some degree now, but are, are, do you think personal relationships are more important now than ever before in our industry? I'm looking at Mike. I don't think they've never not been important, but mm -hmm. I think yeah, yeah. they probably are more important. And 
the the nice thing is with uh, social media you can you can extend them and maintain them a little bit better than you mm. could in the past right so right. Uh, people you who live in a different city you might not have seen as much um, you can you can reach out to them uh, social media even through email that didn't mm -hmm. exist you know, but that I think that personal contact is is important at some point yep. in the relationship, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you can build on it. You, yeah. yeah, you can maintain. And I don't. And and if it starts, and obviously a lot of these relationships start through email, through yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. uh, social media. But I do think that the personal interaction at one point is, is still is yeah. still important. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it creates a trust level just yeah. being able to look at somebody in the eye. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that because it always comes down to trust, mm -hmm. and uh, that the only way to establish that is through mm -hmm. real contact, contact and context. I think that um, we were just talking about this before that in the midst of all of this noise, I see that CTV is advertising their news program, Lisa Laflamme as you know the person that you can trust just as Mansbridge did but more so uh, they, they went directly at this environment of uh, immense amount of information coming at people social media and many different platforms the commercial in a minute and a half said in the middle of this noise you need somebody to help you get through it and somebody you trust and that's that's you know Lisa Laflamme so there's I think that people are starting to advertise the uh, the merits of a trusted relationship in in an effort to try and stave off uh, some of the, the bleed to the social media platforms. Yeah, I I, be I be the reason I asked is um, I was trying to load the question, but I believe <laughs> I believe it's true. Uh, Absolutely. I, I yeah. saw the, I do see still the merits of it um, more than ever before in the campaign, even the campaign that um, we're running now at Volunteer Canada. Yeah, we you know we did keyword search, we did display online advertising, we did Facebook page, we did a all you know an app, we did all this stuff, but you know what really um, hit it home in the voluntary sector was uh, the workshops we did one on one, with, you know, in communities, and uh, then bringing in influencers, mm -hmm. and then, you know, working our networks, etc. And I really that's when you saw the power of it and the impact firsthand, and that's really when you see the information or I guess in research in action, so to speak couple hundred people across the country in, in, in public affairs uh, in, within Ipsos, right? Uh, we'll have a conference every couple of years because, you know, 95% of the interaction is email. And at some point, people mm -hmm. need to sit and spend a weekend together uh, or two days in the middle of the week or whatever it is and get to know each other face to face so that when they're reading emails from the guy in Washington mm -hmm. or from the guy in Calgary, yeah. that they can put a face yeah. to it and they know yeah. who, who and when you're she is. And when you're talking volunteers, it's a lot easier to say no in an email yeah. than it is, <laughs> there it is face to face, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. And I tell yeah. you, that the, one of the things that came up, that keeps coming up and keep noticing sort of on the periphery is that when I'm reading Twitter, every once in a while you'll see somebody get into a Twitter war with somebody else. <laughs> And you know that they're effectively saying the same thing, but they're but they're going back and forth on 140 characters, and and the context isn't being provided. And and frequently people will end these little Twitter wars back and forth with a pick up the phone, and, you know, and say, hey, I'll put my sword down if you put your sword down. But it does still take that personal contact to say, okay, we're both gonna detente right now, you know. So even in the social media environments, the personal contact still sometimes becomes the ace card to, you know, to put it down. Who do you believe, Alan, is going to be Canada's next great communicator? Mm. Knowing everything we've talked about. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question, yeah. Uh, I always I give guests a, a few in advance, but then I save some for later. I guess. Uh, <laughs> mm. 
maybe it's the person who's going to be uh, the next Prime Minister of Canada after Stephen Harper. We don't know who that is right now, but there will be one. Um, and then perhaps we'll, you know, <laughs> after the fact say, aha, that's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what did it. I really don't, I, 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 I can't um, predict right, yeah. right now, um, I must admit. I, I think that it, it will be some, the next great communicator is going to be somebody with a certain amount of fortitude and ability to take risks in different, in, in different platforms like Twitter. Um, you know, I'm not sure how this happened because there's not a lot of delegated authority to speak within, you know, within the Harper government right now, it seems. But Tony Clement is on Twitter every day and he's saying real things, you know. So yeah. to me, this, this man's a great communicator in the face of, you know, uh, an environment that's not necessarily controlled, uh, he's, he's managing to, to continue to communicate. And I, I think it's whoever can meld, you know, the, the truth and trust that we've previously come mm -hmm. to expect from great communicators with the platform. But that takes a lot of, a lot of leadership and wisdom, I think. Uh, I, can't, I can't predict who. I, I, I do think it'll be someone who goes into politics with a for lack of a better description, social media platform mm -hmm. brand in advance. Yeah, now, now, you know, even Tony Clement landed as a minister and then started to tweet and so it has authority. I think we will start to see the next generation of politicians, mm -hmm. federally, provincially, municipally, going in with a uh, credentials and an mm -hmm. audience and a group. They'll need to to get elected because mm -hmm. that'll be their source and their base. So it'll be a natural transition. They'll go there and they'll say, well, of course I'm going to tweet or of course I'm going to do whatever the next technology is. Because um, that's how they got right. there. That's great. I, I've got my eye on a couple people. Let's keep our eye on George Stromalopoulos. Yeah. I think he's got, you know, potential down down the line. I'm going to be curious in 10 to 15 years where he's going to be. Oh, speaking of George, okay, speaking yes. of George Strombo, <laughs> speaking of George Strombo, boy, I wish I'd answered the question this way. Pre he had Kevin Newman on the program last week. Kevin Newman, future man, digital, I think CTV's calling him their digital evangelist. He is definitely um, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid on, on social media platforms and everything else. And here you have a former national news anchor. You couldn't get more, convention, more conventional yeah. than that. And now he's, he's on George Strombo talking about the importance of communications in the digital age. I think he's going to be somebody to watch for sure. Because the reason is, I think when you look back at what we've, you know, what's distilled from the report, you got to be nimble, you got to be fast, authentic and unscripted, targeted to specific audiences and armed with context and not content necessarily. I think that encapsulates, um, you know, a certain person. And um, let's let's reconvene in five years yeah. <laughs> and find out who this person is <laughs> or more. So it'll be interesting. With that. Look, everybody, thanks for tuning in to this one. It's been a real interesting one. Uh, if you want more information on the report breaking down the silos, the future face of communications, go to ottawa.iabc.com. Uh, you can access it there. And I'm sure you can find it just by a quick Google search. And thanks to all our guests today. And uh, please do share this information widely. It's, some, it's really good content and context <laughs> that I think everybody can uh, benefit from. Thanks very much. Have a great week. You've been listening to the podcast of the International Association of Business Communicators, Ottawa Chapter, produced at the Media Style Studio. For more information, visit ottawa.iabc.ca.